Bonjour, no, and welcome to my podcast, More Way Thinking or More What, for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from Man Cave every week. I hope you're all doing well and had a great Christmas, of course. We had a Christmas, a little bubbles, um, as you can see from my red eyes and extra five kilogram and growth of beard. I uh, just ate and sat and watched. <laughs> <laughs> So no, it was all it was all good. So I hope you all had a brilliant Christmas. Now, of course, we've got New Year coming up, so looking forward to that. However, we do spend it, get to celebrate it, um, and I just hope you all had a great one as, as well. Um, and are managing. And another thing I wanted to say as well, it is difficult time with everything that's going on. So if you do know someone who may be on their own or is maybe you think struggling, then say something, speak to them, and don't just let it go. Because I mean. It's bad enough when you've got a, a great supportive family, but if you're on your own, it's it's a really difficult time. So, how yeah, keep an eye out on others. Uh, but other than that, I've got this show and hopefully another one before New Year kicks in. Then from New Year, the shows and guests are immense. So make sure you keep listening in because I've got a fantastic lineup um, for next year, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> he says, 2021. Right, uh, now my way I think it's all about us, amazing human beings that have a story to tell, and those stories can vary massively. But the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into all extra, how extraordinary we can all be. Remember, there's only four rules, one, no bullshitting, two, no judging, three, no negativity, and four, have fun. Now, today I'm talking to the brilliant Mark Sefton. Known Mark for a long while, um, just a brilliant guy, a brilliant enter entrepreneur 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 uh he's done he's wrote books plot twist he does uh, a tv show mom around numerous things which you'll find out about in the uh, in the podcast what i love about mark is he's just so relaxed so insightful um and i really enjoyed talking uh, to my friend mark here so enjoy here it is so welcome to more way of thinking and we have the amazing mark sefton welcome mark great to be here lee i'm excited yes you can hear the crowds it's deafening <laughs> one day i'll do this live and there'll be like three people cool. sitting in chairs watching or <laughs> not thanks ever so much for joining me today mark how you been all right yeah all right i wasn't sure if i had to wear my mask or not but i decided it was <laughs> Time to reveal this beautiful face again to the public. I think it's ready. I know. You, you, lose, okay. you lose perspective of where you're supposed to wear masks and where you're not, don't you? Yeah, I mean, goodness. It would be, it'd be interesting to know stats because I think most people don't even know how to wear them properly. You're meant to wash the fabric ones every time. Yeah. I can't see people doing that. Like, There's actually a way to actually put on the mask and... I can't imagine people are doing that, so oh, I don't know. Yeah, my daughter, she's got her mask, and oh my God, there's things growing on it, because she wears it for school. I'm like, yeah. you're supposed to wash this mask. It is disgusting. <laughs> but kids no, kids no. won't know, will they? No, that's right, yeah. I, don't, I didn't get COVID, Dad. I got E. coli, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Anyway, brilliant to have you on, Mark. We're going to talk a lot about you and what you've been up to and everything like that um, later on in the show. But first of all, I always like to start with a couple of funny stories. 
I read the news. You're probably the same. You read the news in the morning. It's usually pretty dire, to be fair, but I just need to read the news. I just feel I need to know. Uh, but it does annoy me. So I always, after I've read the news, I always look for a couple of funny stories. And I've, I've read a couple of crackers today, and I think you'll quite like them. Right, this one was, uh, which I seen the other day, and I thought I'll use this for a podcast because it's funny. Uh, this was about uh, an egg fight that erupted in Tesco's after a woman was told to shush for Remembrance Sunday. So a Tesco was left covered in smashed eggs after a fight broke out between customers over a two-minute silence. While the rest of the supermarkets in Middlesbrough came to a standstill, one woman continued shopping and talking. She was told to shush by other customers uh, to observe the silence. However, she just kept going on and on. And then it all kicked off. (laughs) It says, a witness said, we all stood still observing the two-minute silence. This woman was shouting and screaming. Uh, Then all of a sudden, a couple of people threw some eggs. She exchanged and basically turned into a big egg fight. Following a verbal altercation, uh, a man and a woman and another woman, uh, a man, uh, were arrested for assault. Witnesses are being asked to contact police. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Mental, isn't it? But sadly, as, as... As much as I love people, also there's some absolutely unbelievably crazy people out there. Yeah. Um, It's one thing, I understand why people would get uh, miffed with, you know, her not respecting the silence, but then to throw an egg at her as well is just as disrespectful. It's a bit bit like, you know, do as I say, but not as I do. I know, it's madness, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I understand if she didn't do the silence, if she forgot. But then when someone tells you, because I've, you know, I've seen it in supermarkets. Someone goes, yeah. two minutes." Someone's, "Oh yeah, yeah." But to start shouting and screaming, obviously, is so disrespectful. But yeah. you know, and and from a serious side, that's terrible. From a funny side, if you were there with your phone, you'd be like, <laughs> "God, eggs flying everywhere." Wonder, yeah. wonder what the police were like when they turned up. They'd be like, "What's gone on?" <laughs> the th- the thing is, is because of the time we're in, everybody is on eggshells, aren't they, Lee? <laughs> they are. They are. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it's like the women who had a fight over toilet roll, weren't it, at the start of the pandemic? I've seen yeah. a video of that. Video of that everywhere. Yeah. Um, but that was that was the first one. Now this one, this one's even better. This one is. Uh, a coin was removed from a man's nose after being stuck there for more than 50 years. Uh, now, a man has finally had a coin removed from his nose after it was stuck there for 50 years. The 59-year-old unnamed Russian, yeah, you wouldn't want to be named, would you? Uh, was aged just six when he wedged the money into his right nostril. He was too scared scared to tell his strict mother about it and then forgot uh, the man apparently managed to live with it for the next 50 years unimpeded by the blockage until it recently until he recently started complaining he couldn't breathe out of his nostril at all that he went to the hospital they did a scan and hey ho there we go there's a coin stuck up your nose <laughs> that's ridiculous as well I was trying. I, was, I must admit, I got caught up in the math because if he was six and it was there fifty, he'd be fifty-six. But it said it was fifty-nine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit. No, <laughs> you're right. That's what it says. Yeah, yeah. there's three years unaccounted for. There Maybe. is, yes, though. <laughs> Maybe it was a spy or something. 
something like that. Just things like that amaze me. How do you go through 50, you know, a few years, you could understand, but, you know, when he goes through metal detectors at airports, you know, when he sneezes, how would you not notice that? Uh, And then the news report makes it even funny because the money officially worth around one penny at the time uh, ceased to be used in Russia after the USSR collapsed in 1991. Uh, I don't know what that has to do with the story. Uh, the specialist, uh, Elena, said, we operated on Friday and he was distar- distar- discharged on Monday. He has regained full nasal breathing and there's pictures of it. I'll put some, when I put this on YouTube, I'll put some pictures. Pretty disgusting, to be fair. Now, this is the best thing. The man's not the first person to become reacquainted with a foreign object in 2015 steve easton from surrey good old brits uh, had a sneezing fit and the tip of a toy dart shot out his nose <laughs> <laughs> he put it up there age seven and his parents had taken him to hospital at the time but doctors were unable to remove it he'd suffered headaches and sniffles which he put down to a fever and he said he was completely unaware that the dart had been stuck up his nose for 44 years. Now, what interests me about this is he went to the doctors. The doctor said they can't remove it. And then he just forgot about it. <laughs> That's so bizarre. It'd never leave your mind, would it? You'd, no. You'd have nightmares. <laughs> At least we know it takes like 50 odd years for anything to natural come out if you stick it up there. Well, you know, at Christmas parties, wouldn't your parents turn around and say, we've got to get that dart removed? Nah, don't worry about it. Forget no. it. Forget it. <laughs> Goodger wasn't a real one, you know. If he was uh, in a, a moment of intimacy, he could have really <laughs> <his> partner. <laughs> but yes, that, that did make me smile. Because you know what? It's annoying if you get like if you get pollen or something and you're itching oh, in no. the summer. It's horrendous, but it's not like Anyway, it did make me smile, those two did anyway. So, <laughs> brilliant to have you on, Mark, today. So, yeah. always start off with sort of telling us a little bit about you growing up, where you went to school, educated, sort of how that sort of veered you to where, where you are today. Mm. So, where did you grow up? Where, was it Cov you grew up in? Yeah, I did, I did grow up in Coventry. I grew up in... <sighs> Henley Green area, and I went to uh, St. Patrick's, so I was dressed as a a green bottle, so it's actually quite quite close to uh, uh, where my my family home was growing up, and um, yeah, I went to St. Patrick's, Um, then I went to Wiseman, because that was like the next kind of school within the area, which was in like Woodway. Around Woodway Park, Woodway Lane, even. Yeah. And school was one of those things which I didn't overly enjoy. I must admit, I uh, I got bullied a little bit. And, oh right. Okay. Uh, and that, I think you know I talk about that in my in my first book, Inside Job, uh, some of uh, the difficulties that I had as a kid. Yeah. And I came from a broken family, which was tough, and then. To be bullied on top, it really was, you know, painful yeah. and difficult. Yeah. Um, and actually, it wasn't until or probably like, and that happened kind of more in secondary than it did in primary. Primary, everybody kind of, I think, was too young to, to yeah. really bully. But yeah, coming coming into secondary, it was actually um, basketball, and and my teacher, Mr. Aldridge, that kind of 
was pinnacle really for me um, in in my younger years. Um, I always loved football, but most of the most of the lads that played football for my school were the ones that I tried to stay away from. Yeah, the in crowd. Yeah, they weren't they yeah. weren't the nicest of people. And well, Mr. Aldridge, he came from Hull. Um, he was about six foot six, and uh, he brought basketball to our school. And um, I thought, you know, because I did have some links with America, so I was familiar, and I thought, yeah, it's a cool sport. So I decided to start going to practice on a Friday after school, and some of my friends and people that I was either neutral to or did like started to go as well, and it didn't have any of the the buttholes that I was uh, facing in football. Yeah. And so um, actually what happened is because... I used to get bullied for for my size, and I think it derived from from my parents' divorce. I comfort it, so I did carry quite a bit of extra weight. Oh, did you? Oh, nightmare. Yeah, and so uh, you know, you get called all the names under the sun. Uh, and um, when when I started doing basketball, the one thing with basketball is it's so high intensity, mm. back and forth, back and forth. So after a number of practices, we started to have a few games. And actually, after a few months, the weight was pouring off me because, you know, I was training like on my lunch break. You know, we had proper training on a, on a Friday. We had a game in the week, you know, and um, weight started to fall off me. And that really actually started to give me uh, a bit of confidence. Yeah, uh, I noticed a few girls were starting to show an interest came, came along to some of the games. Yes, uh, and that was really, really important to uh, to experience that. And then after that, what's that? Is that your fire alarm? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a fire alarm. It's actually a, a, that's the, that's the most unfortunate thing, right? Because I put I put my phone on do not disturb, but with the Mac, which is where I'm doing the Zoom. Yeah. Like the iMessage can still come through and make a noise. It's a bit. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that. So that's what that is, Lee. Sorry. Um, yeah. So with the basketball, it was very much around um, building my confidence with regards to losing this weight, and yeah. then girls were starting showing interest, yeah. and then the icing on the cake was that this teacher. Mr. Aldridge, he said, Mark, he said, I've seen your dedication. He said, I want to make you the school like basketball captain. Wow, yeah. Now, that was the first time I really felt like I I had something to give. You know, my child was very much in the shadows, was challenging at times, hmm. you know, trying to adjust to a new normal of my parents being divorced, you know, being bullied. Yeah. Um, I never followed the crowd. I've always spoken and followed my own truth, yeah. which, you know, I still do now. But, uh, you know, that was very much the premise of how it was growing up. And when this teacher said, you know, Mark, I see a leader in you. And actually, people started to follow me because the thing, the thing, uh, the most important thing, I think, in life is some people lead from a position of a title. Mm. And then the, the most important or the true leaders are the ones that actually lead you know, with, with no title, it's like, you know, it's rather than saying, you know, follow me because I'm the boss. You know, what you want to see is people naturally following you because they believe in the way that you see things, frame things, 
express, yeah. you know, make decisions. You know, for me, that was like, that was definitely the pinnacle for me uh, that kind of gave me the strength and actually the confidence that I actually went back to the football because that was always my first love. Yeah. And because I was captain of basketball, I think I gained some respect from some of those that would bully. And actually, I ended up playing for both, um, which was great because it went full circle then. Wow. Um, but my school, my schooling is interesting because I've never been academic. Or I say that, I wasn't academic when I was a kid. I always learned by doing. Um, I left school at 15 and went into retail. You know, so I, I declined college and I thought, I'm just going to work. And I did. I worked in retail and hospitality from that point on for about uh, 15, probably 15 years. Oh, right. Okay. About, from, from about 15 to 30, yeah. I was in very much in that, in that space yeah. of hospitality and retail. And... Um, I always believe that your gifting makes room for you. And I'm a big believer in kind of being clear on what you're good at and just do that. I think we get so overwhelmed with trying to be good at everything that we, we lose focus of actually what we're really good at. Yeah. Me, you only have to be good at one thing, Lee. And that would be like my main message or one of the main messages from this podcast is actually you only have to be good at one thing. You don't have to be good at 20 things, just one. So that everybody's good at one thing. Yeah. And that's really where you have to invest, uh, you, you know, your energy, your time, your strength. And that's kind of what I did um, when I branched into my own business. I actually had my own hospitality consultancy business. So I took the experience of working in retail and hospitality. Yeah. I did a diploma in life coaching because I found that I was naturally leading and guiding people and people were naturally confining in me because of the positions that I held and then that really started to shape you know where I focused initially this concept of working with independent restaurant hotel and pub owners to how to establish operational standards how to create experience how to create theater moments and actually I met a dragon from Dragon's Den in, oh, right. in, in Derby yeah. we were having a chat over coffee she actually uh, connected with me on Twitter and really liked my tweets and said, uh, you know, I'd love to meet for a coffee. So I said, yes, definitely. So I was chatting to her about where my business was at and I was about 18 months in. And she's saying, Ma, I think you need to pivot a little bit because it was right in the middle of the recession. Most yeah. of the people that I was prospecting to were going to sell um, their business. So the idea of me trying to sell my service to them when they're trying to get out of the business was tough. Yeah, she made a few little suggestions, and I really ran with them. And that's when I really started to focus more on on entrepreneurs. And and then uh, there was a guy who was coming around to different networking groups that I was a part of. He shared this vision for for a radio station. Uh, he wanted something to promote positivity rather than negativity, which is pretty much what news is. It's just negativity, and he really wanted to focus on the good in the city. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So um, I connected him with a few people because I've always had well, well-established connections. And he said to me at the end of that, he's like, Matt, would you like your own show? You'd like to be on the board of directors. And I thought, you know, I'd love my own show. So that's when I created Talk Business, which kind of went alongside my 
reinvention of, of my own business. So while I didn't use that to sell my own, you know, services, but having that kudos to, to interview people in the public eye, I'd interview quite a lot of apprentice winners and, and people had been on Dragon's Den and different things and, and people that, you know, the rest of the people were at grassroots roots level. Mm. But eventually, because I did that for six and a half years, you know, I had PR agencies call me and say, you know, would you interview my client on this or on that? And I used to love that. You know, Lord Sugar tweeted about my show, uh, which was great. Um, it's just really good. And I did that for, yeah, for six and a half years until some American ladies came across me and said, you know, actually would love to have you as a host on our, on our TV network. Uh, and so I pivoted over to that and I've been doing a show called one more round, uh, for a couple of years now, but since COVID, I haven't actually created anything since March. Yeah. I think, I think some of my shows they're they're zoom based, but the ones that really pop are the ones where I've got, you know, a crew that yeah. are with me outside and they stand, they, the difference is so much. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So evident. And yeah. so because of COVID, I've not really created anything yeah. since. But I'm hoping to pick that up, you know, yeah. next year. You so know. Go, just going back, Mark, because yeah. you're, you're, fly, you're flying, which is great. Yeah. But I'm yeah. just interested, uh, so, you leave, so you've gone through this bully, uh, uh, bullying at school. You've sort of come full circle, which has helped you gain confidence. And then you get into the real, real, real retail, sorry. And the similar thing with me in that when I, I finished school, I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to, I wanted to earn money and you earn money and you're loving it. You're earning money and you sort of uh, just carry on and go with it. When did you realize that you had this uh, business acumen that you, it was something you wanted to do for the rest of your life? You know what I mean? Was it, was it a spark or was it something that you over them 15 years sort of built up inside you? You know, was there a, you say pivoting, was there a pivotal moment in them 15 years that made you think, Oh, hold on a sec. Yeah. I mean, there is some backstories that have context. So my grandfather, very entrepreneurial, right. he, he dealt in insurance and in jewelry and in, he used to do, he used to have a market, a Coventry market. And my right. first job, was uh, delivering fruit and vegetables to local restaurant, pubs and hotels in the area. Used to uh, deliver to the Chesterford Grange, uh, not oh, too far right. from where I live now. And um, so that entrepreneurial spirit was really uh, like shined out of my grandfather. And there's a couple of things I learned from him. One was the most important attribute in business is, is a reputation. Having a good reputation will determine how successful and successful your business will be yeah. you know and the, and the real simple premise of what business is is really solving a problem and the problem we were solving for restaurants pubs and hotels it was obviously that we were producing or giving them the produce to then be able to cook and, and, and make meals from the food that we provided and that's the simplicity of business and I always say to people if you want to make a million pounds you've just got to find a solution that affects a million people yeah. and then you know it's scalable but most businesses they they solve a problem for a few hundred or for a few thousand yeah, yeah. and then you know you're only going to be making hundreds or thousands mm. and so that is the simplicity it's just finding something then that does actually solve a problem that affects a million people hence yeah. why you know the pharmaceuticals that 
find a vaccine, you know, for COVID oh, to be minted because, you know, everybody in the dog needs it and wants it. Yeah. 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 So, it, so, so as far as, so you did those 15 years and then obviously you talk about the radio show, but to me, you would be quite comfortable after them 15 years. You think I'm, I'm on a good wage. It's comfortable. What made you think, right, I'm going to finish and I'm going to go it alone or I'm going to go on a different path. Cause I would guess that took quite a big, you know, a big jump for you. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, 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 Interestingly, if you do a study on, on entrepreneurs as a whole, I think it's something like 84% of them uh, came or had a problematic childhood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was, the, that was the case for me. And the reason why is because when you're young, like I think I was eight when my parents divorced, yeah. you, you're in a situation where you have to problem solve uh, at a younger age. And so really a big like ethos of being an entrepreneur is your ability to solve problems. And so because at a younger age I was exposed where I had to kind of grow up a little quicker than maybe most that actually was like birthed with it within me. Yeah. Uh, Alongside the fact that I have a natural skill where people actually do confine in me. And I found even at a young age, people would tell me things that they've never told anybody. Uh, I never took that for granted, but I noticed that that was something that was poignant to me. And I always, I always have a bit of a spirit for the underdog because I was bullied. I do tend to look out for others. Yeah. Um, and so there was things along the way that I think became clear. There's always sometimes a trigger as to why people make that step from being employed to uh, self-employed and for me I did it very much around I went from a full-time uh, job um, and st- and kind of trying to create my own business on the side to then doing a part-time job and doing my business full-time and then eventually I gave up my part-time work um, and within two weeks of giving that up I actually managed to make that money in my business. So I kind of did it as a stepping stone. Yeah. Some people actually need to actually just quit and go for it because what happens then is if you're too comfortable, you can kind of be between making it and not. But if everything's on the line, and actually depending on your personality and character, you do tend to then, there's no, there's no, there's no room for not achieving yeah. because you just don't, but, but you have to know what is, what is best for you. I'm a good mix of being a risk taker, but I'm also a very responsible man. I have, you know, I have three children and so I do do things intentionally and I do weigh up the choices. Yeah. So I, I'll always make my own choice. And if I have to die on my own sword, then I'd rather do that than somebody stick a sword through me. <laughs> so, so, so it's kind of like, um, I think these little things is kind of what helps navigate me uh, toward. There was my, my, obviously my grandfather. There was uh, my ability to problem solve because of uh, the challenges of going through a divorce my natural giftings uh, and ability 
And actually from about the age of 26 to now, I've become a lover of learning. So I've learned more in those years than I ever did in school. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and as much as I think school's important because I think the more options you have, it also doesn't bother me so much if somebody does uh, well or terrible because I did okay. Uh, certainly a, a lot of people did better and yet I would say that I'm further ahead than, than a lot of those that, yeah, that yeah. academically yeah, were yeah. nuts. I'd agree with that. And, and I think everybody's different. I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you in I like doing and being interested in what I'm doing. And at school, I just couldn't be interested. And if I'm not interested, you can talk to me all day. I ain't going to pick it up. But as I got older, um, like you, when I was doing something I was interested in and actually doing it on the job, and being involved in it instead of someone telling me what I needed to do, I, I found I felt much more susceptible to that. Um, yeah. And I think some kids are, some kids aren't. Every, everybody's different. Um, but I think, yeah, I think a big thing to take away is, you know, you don't need to be academically brilliant at school because you know your your path is you built your character and all these traits you know going through all these hard times built your character so as you got older they all came out and flourished and you grew even more and i think i've said this a few times on the podcast for people to think that when you finish school you need to know exactly what you're going to do i think is ridiculous i think there's a lot of pressure on kids these days because i didn't know until i was at least 30 you know what i mean you need to go through that path and i think to say you've made it and you're on that path when you're 20 is fatal. You see a lot of these Instagrammers and YouTubers and all that. They think they've made it when they're 20. Well, let's see where they are when they're 40 because mm -hmm. they, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle because they haven't lived life. They think life's all, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, so I totally agree where you're coming from with, 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 with the path that you're on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their own, their own story. I think, you know, for me, it's my ability to reflect because I always say reflection is the biggest weapon for personal growth. So everything I go through or experience, I always take time to reflect on it. Look at the good, look at the not so good. You know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I embrace authenticity. I'm not interested in being anybody else. Uh, yes, do I make mistakes? Yeah, all the time. But am I afraid of mistakes? No, because you just find a way that doesn't work, which I think is the right way to frame, you know, and, and the world needs people to kind of have a bit about them mm. and kind of stick their neck on the line and, and, and be kind and, and, and do good. Um, and it's interesting because there's actually a St. Patrick's uh, Facebook group and I actually just shared because I got invited to it probably six months ago and I just shared a few things and my teachers actually surprised me because some of them were like I knew you were going to do something like this <laughs> and, yeah. and yet I never felt that affirmation yeah. when I was a kid yeah I was like you know it was like but that 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 felt good because I had both positive and negative experiences with teachers I had some shockers and I had some great ones yeah, yeah. and I, I love the ones that were quite firm with me because I was a bit of a class clown loved attention loved uh, making people laugh still still yeah. love both of those things um but i love the ones that were able to manage me well 
yeah yeah funny. it makes a big difference having good teachers when you're a kid you know it, you you have what you have one good teacher you can have hundreds of bad ones but you always remember that that one that made a big a big difference you know what i mean i think these days i think sometimes maybe that's a bit lacking in some of these schools because so many things are going on and they you know what i mean it's such an yeah. important part of growing up isn't it it is and it, it reminded me of one teacher. I seem to have carried this on as well. I always have seemed to have a good eye for looking at people and and and, and sharing who I think that they look like famously. Uh, but I had one maths teacher called Mr. Wheat, and he looked like Barney Rubble from instead. <laughs> he did. So every time I got in before he'd walk in, I'd always say yabba dabba do, and all the class are pissing themselves laughing. And then he walks in, and it's like you know, good grief. He knows that it's me as well, so he kind of looks at me. He's like, Mark, keep it in order. This is funny. <laughs> now, yeah. you said we were talking, before we started the interview, we were talking about COVID, and obviously because you've got your own business and all these different things going on. How's COVID affected you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the speaking, so I do a lot of international speaking, that, that's gone to the wall. Hmm. I mean, I, could, I can do uh, things online, but the thing is, for me, is I... I mean, very much make my decisions like this. I do things with heart or not at all. So, yes, I could go and do online. But, you know, I, the reason why I speak is because I love the energy. I love the feedback. I love the engagement. I love the room. Mm. Having it on a screen, yes, I could do it, but it doesn't give me that juice. So, therefore, I haven't done it. Yeah. So, that's, that part has kind of just took a back seat. Yeah. I've been writing like a nutter because uh, I'm writing my third book. Um, which actually I'm at 46,000 words. So I've got 4,000 words to go. So I'm really at the cusp. Yeah. Um, so I've been putting a lot of attention and time into that. So that's definitely, and I write for Entrepreneur Magazine and I've just recently been writing for a Swedish based magazine called Brains Magazine. I just oh, wrote right. an article for them that went live today. It's called How to Reset Yourself. So it's all about, it's Could about, <laughs> I've wrote it based on some of the struggles, you know, uh, that reset, we've reset and COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, uh, and, um, and a writing's a great way. I do script writing and, you know, and I, I enjoy that kind. And, and I think this has helped with COVID. It's given me a bit of time to focus on stuff like that. But I think now, like we were saying, I've had enough now. I've, I've, I've really had enough. And there's times where, you know, I'm lucky. My family's great. My kids are, you know, good as gold. But even even some days I'll get out of bed and I'm like, mm, it's really, you know, it can really take its toll on you, can't it? Yeah, I mean, I've actually, I would say if I'm being really vulnerable, professionally, I, I'm pretty good at adapting, you know, and, you know, I've got enough in my reserve and I've got different income streams, you know, that keep me motoring. The, the hardest thing with COVID is really on a on a personal level, being, you know, cut off and isolated from the things that you love, uh, the people that you see. And everybody uh, has, you know, a different reaction to it. Even within my family, some of them are petrified and then others are really kamikaze. Yeah. Um, you know, and for me, it's, you know, I, I'm very much of the opinion that, yes, I'm responsible, but I love choice and I hate when people take my choices away. Can some be some people be trusted? No, which is a part of the reason why, sadly, some of us suffer because they put these restrictions on, 
to really like prevent people from being able to make their own choices because some people do choose badly. Um, and every it all looks different depending on your situation. I was thinking, you know, back over my life, and I was thinking, when would have COVID been good? You know, during those years of being bullied at school, give me COVID, then. So I know. Like, I know. I go to school. It would have been. It would have been beautiful. I know. But when you live by yourself, you know, and uh, you work for yourself, and you are your business, and then you stop the expression or the ability to connect. And even to just deal, like just with life, like, and that gets taken away. Yeah, it really slams you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've experienced that. I've experienced every emotion under the sun. But this book that I'm writing at the moment, it's for men, actually. It's really the premise is to help men become better men, really helping men with their emotions. And, and you know, some of probably what we've experienced, some of those learnings have gone into my book because regardless of whether it's about COVID or not, it's really about how to deal with challenges and deal with the things that, you know, is thrown at you. Yeah. As men, we have different pressures to women and we have different expectations. So I talk a little bit about that. And I, I do challenge men as well in terms of how they behave because some men really, they really are a disgrace. <laughs> they need to be, they need to be challenged a little. Yeah, and I think what COVID's done, um, especially for men, is make them think a bit more emotionally, where some men uh, can, you know, get through day to day with jobs and things that are happening, and you're just sort of cruising. What this has done, this has stopped you in your tracks, you're thinking, shit, I actually, I can't, it's almost almost like a mask, isn't it? Yeah. You know, some men are like a mask. But now yeah. it's like, shit, all my emotions are coming out. Everyone can see it. Mm. You know, I'm, I feel so vulnerable. Um, mm. And it's been, a, it's been an in, interesting time. But like you say, for men, whereas women are pretty emotional anyway. So, you know, not being sexist, but some are. Yeah. Um, and, and women will tell you how they feel and what's going on inside. Men, men, you know, we don't do that. We don't talk like that. We don't cry. Well, I'm not being funny. When COVID's, you know, after this, there's quite a few guys that hopefully have found themselves or feel better for it. But my worry is the ones that really struggle. And I think that's, that's where we need to help and support. If, if anyone sees anyone feeling vulnerable, you know, that's where we've got to say something or talk, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I, to be honest with emotions, it's quite interesting because I am very emotional. I do wear my heart on my sleeve. If I hurt, I hurt and I'm, I don't fleece that. Um, so for me, I actually get more concerned if I can't cry because I always find tears are very healing. And like with this book that I'm writing, it is very educational and, and I'm giving men the permission mm. to express. Uh, I've always expressed uh, and I think it serves me right. Like yeah. I feel better for it. I don't feel heavy. Yeah. And the problem is, Lee, is now is there's even more scientific proof that um, more people are sick in the physical body because of an emotional sickness that's manifest. You know, it's these, it's these things, these pain, these anger, these unforgiveness, you know, these resentment, they're all manifesting in high blood pressure, heart attacks, dementia, the whole lot. Yeah, yeah. You have, you have to keep upstairs clear, definitely. I mean, I spoke yeah. to someone on the podcast, James, a while back, 
a lovely guy and he'd been abused, uh, treated really terrible when he was younger. And he found new life when he forgave, you know, he finally forgave his abuser. And yeah. I thought that how brave he was, but he was doing the right thing because it cleared all that anger. You can't hold it up. There's nothing worse. Even if it's just for one person or one little thing, got to have a clear out. You can't, because you might be thinking, oh, I'm fine. But up here, it knows, it knows if you haven't cleared it, if you haven't controlled it properly, it knows and it will come back to bite you on the arse. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. It's, it's quite, yeah, it's quite incredible. Um, the power of forgiveness. The thing with forgiveness is it's always for your benefit. It isn't you saying that what they did was right or okay. It's not that, but it's really for the benefit of you. Um, slightly off off kilter here, um, but I always like to speak. If something comes to mind, I'll yeah, go. Yeah, but there's this sense, you know, when you know when people come and go in your life. Sometimes we get so hung up if somebody's left us, but I think the best way to frame it is actually when somebody leaves your life, they're actually creating a space for somebody else. Mm. And I think, uh, I don't know why that came to me, but that really seems poignant right now that if, you know, if, if you've lost somebody in your life, whether it's friend, not necessarily, you know, a relative that's died, but I'm, I'm on about really relationally, if somebody's left um, it actually is giving you an opportunity for somebody else to, to come in. And I think when we go through problems, it's really important that we frame things well, because often our narratively is, is often where our greatest uh, breakthrough comes. Uh, if we take the COVID, it's like we're all experiencing it. And yes, we can all focus on, on the bad, but for your, own, for your own sake, it's really good to kind of flip it. And, and 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 look at it in a in a different way if you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like like you say, if you lose someone or, or there's a change in circumstances. What I always say to people, if if it's someone I know that's that's hurting, I'll say it will get better. Um, and at the time, you don't always think that, you know. Especially if it's you, you think uh, your mind's not working properly. But it is true things that will get better. But at the time, you don't feel it. But what you have to believe in. That is, you know, no matter how bad you feel at that moment, given time, it will get better. And as long as everybody understands that, I think we're in a better, better, better place. He said. Yeah, it's it's the it's the ability to realise that our circumstances are temporary and not permanent. Mm. Uh, there's a friend of mine called Mark Sheesby, who's a sports uh, mind coach who works with athletes. And it was interesting because he told me, this was a few years ago, he said that one of his favourite things about Match of the Day is that when, they, when the manager spoke after the game, he would write down like a bit of a, a hypnosis as to what they've said. And he would be able to tell which managers would go further in the game because some of them that spoke like the situation was permanent were the ones that actually ended up getting fired, lost their job. But the ones that talk in a language that it was a temporary thing, that it was going to pass, that things were going to improve, they were the ones that actually achieved uh, greater things. And I just thought, you know, that's a really telling point. It's, it's, it's understanding that both good and bad will, will come. And our ability to stay consistent and level emotionally 
is really going to be important. I know for me, it's something on my own reflection that I notice when I get praise, I do feel quite significantly better in myself. Yeah. When I get criticism, I do feel significantly yeah. like tr- troubled. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, even my own walk has been able to try and, I think, I can't remember, I think it's in the poem, If, I think it's Richard Kipling. Yeah. Uh, it says, you know, if you can take uh, insult and, and praise uh, as the same and, and they don't make you deviate from, you know, your path, you know, I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with you. And actually, funny you said that. I'm sure you put some on the other day. Um, I'm trying to look for it now, but it was, it was God grant me the serenity to accept the, uh, accept the things I cannot change. Real interesting, and that one took me back a little bit because my mum used to have an ornament that said that. Yes, uh, and it's a brilliant, brilliant saying, isn't it? It is. Yeah, Francis of Assisi uh, said, "Yes, Lord, give me, give me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom uh, to know the difference." Yeah, I love that saying. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, now, future wars. So you've got this book that you're just about to finish, Mark. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the future looking like? So obviously, I mean, a lot of people are thinking, right, next summer, back to normal. Woo woo. What you got planned? What what's you thinking? Well, I, I created this uh, this GPS system uh, based on ten fundamentals of what make up a person's DNA, and I built that over a number of years and adapt it and evolve it based on what I'm naturally kind of working with, with different clients. So actually what I do is I take myself through my own, my own GPS uh, <laughs> to, to, to assess my own performance. Really? Yeah. It's like an MOT, but for a human being, <laughs> an internal MRI could do you know, one of them. Yeah. It looks, it looks at your beliefs, your behaviors, yeah. uh, the your attitude, the way you see things. So I tend to, towards the, around the 28th of December, uh, that's when I tend to, to, to redo that. And uh, I also collage my year. And I, I basically, because I do gratitude every day, and I've done this for seven years, every night before bed, I write three things that I'm grateful for. All right. So I have like this year's, like in a, in a, in a book. Uh, and then I look through my camera roll as well, because I think anything of, of interest or note that's significant for this year i would have taken a picture of it and between those two you can actually formalize everything you've done so it'll have on there um you know how many podcasts i've done uh, how many people i've interviewed or how many articles i've wrote how many 5k runs i've done whatever it is that i've been yeah. you know measuring and it's normally those things that then start to formalize um a target or a goal that I have for 2021. So within those 10 fundamentals on my GPS, I have, I set one goal within each of them so that I'm not just uh, focused on making more money or not just focused on improving the relationship with my girlfriend, but I I'm looking at the whole, the whole lot because you know, we want fulfillment in all, not just in one or two. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I find when people say, you know, Matt, what do you want to do or what do you want to be doing in five years? I feel like I, 
I have everything lined up as to to what I want to do. I think the growth for me is is who I do it with and and what I do it with. So if I take speaking for example, the growth is on speaking at, at, on better stages, more high profile. If I, it's working with clients, then it's working with more prestigious or affluent like clients. If it's writing, it's I mean, I'm already writing for the number one entrepreneur magazine, which is great, you know, but it was stuff like my TV show being picked up by, I don't know, BBC or ITV or Channel 4 or whoever. It's, it's, it's more kind of about, uh, yeah, the, the environment and the, and, and the stage it's set on yeah. rather than me necessarily doing anything different. Yeah. So I do think that, I do think I need to get into a project, uh, a new project but what that is yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think what the other thing that COVID has done this year is people who set goals, um, you've got to be flexible now. You, you're thinking next year and it's like you say, you, you're thinking of sort of a roundabout way where you're going to be next year. You can't, after what's happened, you can't just say, right, middle of next year is going to be this, 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 this. Cause you think, well, we can't, you can't plan perfectly anything. So in some ways, it's made us very uh, flexible and we can adapt. So, you know, people that were had stone-cold goals, um, it must have really knocked them this year because you realise, hold on, I've got to think on my feet. I've got to adapt to the situation. So it's been good. It's been good in that respect. The only downside for me is sometimes I like a set goal because I'll motivate myself to hit it. Whereas if it's not set in stone, I'm like, if I don't, miss, if I miss the the goal or the time or whatever, you know, the date, I'll be like, well, I've still got a bit more time. Do you know what I mean? So it works both ways, really, doesn't it? Yeah. The interesting thing, I guess, with the GPS I have and, and the goals that I set, actually, they're 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 not as affected by the outside world as they are by by the in the inside world. There's, there's some goals within that that doesn't matter what's going on out there because they're, they're, they're personal. So say, let's say, I don't know, uh, you have like a health goal. Well, in, in, in yeah, you can shut the gyms, but you still you can still yeah. exercise, find your way, you know, way you round. Or, you know, it might be another goal is to read 10 pages of a book every day, you know, and, and so none of those outside things are going to affect that. So I think it's good to make sure that you have some core ones that actually can't be affected by out outside yeah. going. And then it's, yeah, it's your ability to reinvent, you know, people have really had to, had to think like it's interesting that even now there's things that take place in restaurants and supermarkets that are all COVID friendly that weren't there even a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and people that some people have adapted better than others. Yeah, and, and I think the problem is I know a lot of uh, companies are going to go under and unfortunately it's the ones that just haven't adapted. And I know that's easy to say and, and I bet there are companies that have, you know, have tried their best. Um, but I think it really has tested companies and some companies, as soon as it's happened back in March, we're thinking, hold on, you know, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Um, and I think they're the ones that hopefully can, can survive. But I think the ones that have just not tried to adapt or do anything, I think they're really going to struggle. Well, yeah, I mean, I worked for Woolworths. That was my first employed job. And that was the to-go-to place. Never pivoted, never evolved, lost its relevance. 
if you lose your relevance, people, you'll lose your business. You've got to be relevant. Uh, they didn't. It's the same with most of them. You know, if you're something like Jeff Bezos, you're absolutely loving it. I mean, it's going to take. Oh a my lot, but, God! You know what I'm saying? It's going to take a lot for Amazon to kind if of. If you go in my up. kitchen now and it's wall-to-wall Amazon boxes, and it pisses me off. I mean, this guy started selling books. This guy's bigger than the president of America. It's just crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's just. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. That's the way it's gone. <laughs> See, I, I quite like his story, but I think the real test is is when you give a man or woman power, then you know their true character. Yeah. Uh, somebody like Bill Gates, I must admit, I, I, he does some fantastic stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, if I had that wealth, you know, I would be expecting myself to do some fantastic stuff. Yeah. And and some of them do, like uh, Jeff. Bezos and people like that he does but he doesn't shout and scream about it I think where you get certain people I mean I don't really know what's his name Philip Green the top shop guy off you know I just think you see him on his yacht and you think does he really give a shit but I suppose they all do their bit you know they all do their bit to help but uh, hey ho we won't know that not yet anyway one day though one day that's right. Well, all, all we can do is make sure that we are, we are doing our bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I always ask my guests, a bit of advice, Mark. What would you say to someone who maybe wanted to become an entrepreneur or get into business, uh, you know, a bit of change of direction? What sort of advice do you think you get? Or oh, the best bit of advice you've ever heard, Mark? Well, there's a few things that I say to people that I kind of have built my life and my philosophy on. Um, one is around decisions, which I think, you know, and I, I mention this all the time. It's either I could mention something different or I can mention the same thing just because I believe in it. I talk about my free keys to the kingdom. So whenever I have a situation or a decision to make, I ask myself these three questions. The first one is, am I good at this? The second one is, does this excite me? The third one is, will this take me to where I want to go? You know, and so if I make a business decision, the first thing I ask is, you know, does this excite me? Is this something that I'm excited about? Uh, is this something that I'm good at? Do I have the natural skill and the ability for this? And will it take me to where I want to go? The third one takes a bit of focus, which I do help people achieve. So my drivers influence Lee. So it always makes me laugh on LinkedIn when people connect with me and say, Mark, you know, uh, I'd love to show you something that's going to make you six figures. Actually, they're they're baiting me with the wrong bait because I'm I'm interested and in, in motivated by influence, not so much money. If I influence, I'll always make money. But the interesting thing for me is is if I'm making a decision based on these three, it means I only do what I'm good at, and I only do the things that excite me, and I only do the things that take me to where I want to go. And everything else, I say no because people say, "How do you have time to do all the things you do?" It's very simple because if you're motivated and you're good at it, you do execute a heck of a, a heck of a lot quicker. Yeah. That would be one is to only commit to those things. Yeah. You either can take my filters and apply them to your life or you can create your own. Yeah. I already touched on another point I think is really important. The simplicity of business is solving a problem. So, yeah. you know, if it doesn't solve a problem, you, you don't have a, have a business. Yeah. Uh, the third one is don't make your business about you. It should have an expression of you in it, 
but too many businesses make the mistake thinking that their their business is about them. It isn't. Yeah. It's about what it's about what the consumer wants. It's yeah. the same podcast, Lee. Yeah. It ain't about me. Actually, it isn't about you. It's about the person who's listening. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're saying is something that's going to inspire them, educate them, motivate them, make them laugh. You yeah. know, or give them an idea that, that it's you know it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, that, that's a really good tip. That is because I think it's fatal when you see these business owners or people that are that in love with what they're doing that when something like COVID comes on and says, "Hold on, you need to change it." They don't like change, and, and you know we talk about change. But if you don't like change or you're not willing to adapt, it is fatal. It is. Yeah. It's fatal. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be my that would be my thoughts. And I think you know one of the things I pride myself in is is uh, do what you say you're going to do. Really simple. There's so many flakes out there. Uh, <laughs> there is. Flakes. I have, I do. I, I can't stand flakes. I know. I'll put, I'll put some on this board here. I'll show you. And uh, I love this. This is so we take quotes. I'll take a quote off you and I'll put it on the website and everywhere. But that's mine. Ideas are nothing. Action is everything. Yeah, and I love good. this one because, uh, like you, I've had people say to me, I've got a great idea for a film, Lee. Great idea. And I'm like, well, no one's ever going to see it. Because you've got to write it, do it, put the work in. We can all say we've got a great book inside us. You know this from writing a book. Um, but the fact is, if you don't write it, no one will ever know. And the more people that do this, the better for the world. Do you see? And you would know this from writing books, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I do think. I do think as well. And I've said this to people: if you have a thought or a, or an idea. It's because you've been given the mandate to bring it to fruition. Yeah. yeah. So if you're given that idea from whatever you feel that idea has empowered itself to you, you have been given the mandate and the permission to take it and create it. And like you say, you know, the danger of thoughts is that's all they remain. Yeah. But give it a heartbeat, give it an identity, give it legs and then let it, you know, let it run. Definitely. And I always ask my guests a favourite, so it can be a film, a TV show, a food, just something that is accessible to other people. Have you got any? What, a favourite film? It can be a favourite film, a TV show, just a favourite, just something maybe that inspires you or something you enjoy. Well, film's easy. I mean, I still think Shawshank Redemption's the yeah, best. Yeah, I remember you saying that on the radio. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. unbelievable. Like, yeah. I just love it, though. Yeah. Just... I just love all the character with it. Um, it's you know, the uplifting, isn't it? I find from that film. And breakthrough and above the law. Yeah. You know, that's the bit. It's like, you know, you've outdone and justice, really, because he, he wasn't even guilty. Yeah. And hope. It's a biggie for yeah. hope, isn't it? Hope's massive. It is. But actually, the same people can go through the same situation and end up with a, a different uh, ending. You know, a few of them hung themselves, a few of them actually got released and, and transitioned back in, you know, and so that's that's also uh, true. But yeah, I do love Shawshank. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great one. Okay, yeah. now, um, so if people want to find your book, find you online, stuff like that, where, where would they go, Mark? Yeah, I mean, if they put Mark Sefton into Google, I, I think I'm in the top. Uh, there's another. There is actually one of the Mark Sefton who's a scientist. That was that. Uh, yeah, 
He's quite he's, a scientist. He's he's actually quite he's quite good actually, and he he has a couple of science books. But we're in total two different spaces <laughs> together. He's in he's in airspace, I think, and I'm in. <laughs> so make sure you get the the right one. And if you want well, to buy, go on. Thankfully, Lee, I'm better looking than him. So when you yeah see yeah, we've him. heard that before. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so the books you can get the books from Amazon, can't you? Amazon, yeah. And what's Plot the name Twisted. of the two books? Uh, Plot Twist is my recent one. Inside Job, it was my first one. Um, yep. So they're both on Amazon. Can you tell us what the new one's going to be called, or is it a big hush hush? Yeah, I'm probably going to keep that under my hat for a bit. Okay. But uh, probably January, I'll um, I'll express that one. It's clever though. I'm good with titles. I must admit. <laughs> I can tell you're happy, like oh, you're like. I'm very happy with it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's really good. It's so hard not to say, actually. <laughs> Exclusive. It's 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 very good. Yeah, I like it. Well, look, thanks ever so much for coming on, uh, Mark. It's been a joy to listen to your story and, and everything you're up to. Um, make sure you keep in touch because obviously, and and we'll talk about the book next year. Come back on. And yeah, we'll catch great. up and, and, and find out about the book. And, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, look after yourself. You too. Okay, I'll speak to you soon, Mark. Thanks ever so much. Cheers, Lee. Bye. Thanks. Bye. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Mark for joining me today and also you for listening. Uh, make sure you follow the podcast because coming up, like I say, into the new year, there's more are some more extraordinary interviews. The podcast will be streaming on the usual platforms, including including iTunes and Spotify. Please leave a rating on there and subscribe. To keep up to date, follow Facebook, which is My Way of Thinking Podcast, and also Twitter, which is My Way of Thinking, with the three on the end instead of a G. Every week I also put the conversation on YouTube, so if you put My Way of Thinking Podcast. And we're also on, oh, I've lost count, Instagram, uh, which is My What Podcast. Now, on the website, just remember, I did an interview with Santa Claus. I know it's, it's still Christmas. It's not New Year, and I know Christmas Day is finished. But if you, did, if, you, if you have got little ones and they want to listen to that or uh, watch it on YouTube, it's still on there. I'm going to leave it on there until New Year, uh, where I have a great chat with the big man, who's no doubt taking a while on rest now, and eating loads of mince pies. We must not eat anymore. Anyway, thanks for listening in. Like I say, make sure you subscribe, like, keep listening because I've got some crackers for you. Take care, God bless, and I'll speak to you soon.